Welcome to Back to the Basics with Pastor Jason McClendon. This program is sponsored by Crossroads Christian Fellowship, a non-denominational, conservative, and evangelical church focusing on returning to the mindset of believers in the New Testament church. The acronym BASICS, in the name of the program, stands for Believing and Sharing in Christ's Salvation. We are disciples making disciples who make disciples. And now, here is the message. The scripture reading today is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way that the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, What is his name? What then shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. These are the words of the Lord. There are a couple things I want to point out from this reading. The first thing is that when God called to Moses, Moses first said, here I am. He was willing to listen to what God said. Well, at least until God actually asked him to do something, to take him out of his comfort zone. That might sound familiar to some of us, or maybe even to all of us. And then Moses basically asked, but who, who am I to do these things? Much of, much of us, or many of us, ask that same question also. When we know God wants us to do something, we know that there's tasks that need to be done. Sometimes we ask, well, who am I to do that? Really, somebody else should be doing that. Even when we know God wants us to do something, we often make excuses about why we can't do whatever it is that God wants. Now, maybe it's because we don't think we're good enough. 
Maybe it's because we don't think we're smart enough. We just don't know enough. Maybe we think that we don't know enough about what the Bible says to be able to share that with other people. But we can't make excuses. When God calls, God expects us to respond. The second thing that I mentioned in this that I said I wanted to, to bring up is when Moses asked the question, who am I? God simply said, I will be with you. In other words, don't worry about it. I got it. I'm God. And by the way, the same is true with us. When God asks us to do something, he doesn't leave us to do it on our own. He is with us all the time. But sometimes we forget that. But even when we know that, we still make excuses. I don't have time to do it. I'm scared to do it. I'm too embarrassed to do it. Let me stop right there. Listen, if you're making an excuse about why you're not going to do something that you know God wants you to do, don't let it be because you are too embarrassed or too ashamed to do it. Because if that's the case, Jesus tells us in Luke 9, 26, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory. Do not let that be your excuse. Moses later gave more excuses for not doing what he was asked to do by God. At the beginning of chapter 4, Moses says, What if they don't believe me or listen to me? And they say, The Lord did not actually appear to you. So his excuse at this time was that people wouldn't take him seriously. That even if he told them everything that God said to say, they was, just wouldn't believe him. And as we move into Exodus 4, 10 through 15, I'm going to read this text. It says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform various signs with it. In this case, Moses was so adamant about not being able to perform the role that he was being asked to play that God relented and provided Moses' brother, Aaron, who was an eloquent speaker, to speak on his behalf. But clearly, God was angry with Moses for this attitude. But he still provided what was necessary to get the job done. So first, Moses indicated that he wasn't good enough, or that he was inadequate for the tax when he said, who am I to do these things? And God basically said, don't worry about it, I got you, I am God, and I will be with you. And then Moses moved on to the thought that he didn't know enough. He said, suppose I go and, and they say, who sent me? What is his name? 
What shall I tell them? In other words, I don't know what to tell them if they start asking questions. I, I just don't know enough about all of this. And then he said, what if they don't take me seriously? What if they don't believe me when I tell them all these things you said to tell them? But the real excuse that Moses was building up to, the real excuse, the one, of course, that God foreknew was coming and prepared for, was in chapter 4, verse 13, when Moses finally said, Please send someone else. Please send someone else. How often do we say that? How often do we have the opportunity to do something good for the kingdom of God, but it's just not convenient for us? How often do we have the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, but we're too embarrassed to do it? Or maybe we don't think we know enough about what the Bible says to be able to answer questions and effectively share the gospel. Or maybe we simply think they won't take us seriously if they know that we are actually a follower of Jesus. Or maybe, maybe we just don't want to do it. But it's not like God ever did anything for us, right? I mean, it's not like Jesus was ridiculed and tortured and died on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins and go to heaven. And he's not asking for much in return. He's asking that we simply recognize that we are a sinner in need of a Savior, repent of our sins, and trust in Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. And then, of course, tell other people so that they have the opportunity to do the same thing. It's not hard to do. But we continue to make excuses. And that does make God angry. Remember in verse 14 that I read a little bit ago, it said, Then God's anger burned against Moses. When someone makes excuses to you about something that they should have done, or something that they said they would do, or something that you've asked them to do and they know that they should be doing it, doesn't that make you angry? God was angry with Moses for the excuses that he was making. Now imagine that you're God. You are all-powerful. You're all-knowing. You created the universe. And you have a simple task that you want done. And when you assign someone to do that task, and they make excuses about why they shouldn't be the one doing it, wouldn't that make you angry too? God already knew everything that Moses told him. He knew it all. But he still chose Moses to do the task. And when we think about who might be best to accomplish a certain task, we tend to look at it from earthly human standards. But God knows everything. God knows infinitely more about, well, everything. And we simply have to learn to trust him. And then stop making excuses about why we can't do whatever it is that he wants us to do. God wanted Moses to deliver the Israelites from the slavery that they were facing at the time with the Egyptians. And later, Jesus came to deliver us from the slavery that we are facing, slavery to sin. We live in this fallen world, and every single human being, unless they have trusted in Christ, is a slave to sin. And it's so bad, it's around us all the time that we don't even recognize it quite often. Our society has gone down this road where sin is prevalent everywhere. And the TV shows that we watch, 
in the language that we speak. It's so ingrained in our society that it has just become a part of our life. And in many cases, it is celebrated. And that's wrong. And we've got to change it. We can't just use the excuse that this is the world that we live in. We have to recognize the fact that this is going on. And then we have to live, we have to be the examples and live as if we are truly followers of Christ. And not allow ourselves to participate in the sinful activity that's going on around us. We're living in a world where many people are headed to hell. People are perishing around us, and we cannot make excuses about why we can't share the gospel with them. That's what they need. They need to know how much God loves them. They need to know that no matter what they've done in their lives, God not only loves them, but wants to have a relationship with them. They need to know that Jesus died on the cross for them to offer them the opportunity for salvation. But how can they know this if we don't tell them? Romans 10, 14 to 15 says, How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach to them unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We are all called to preach, whether you're standing up in a pulpit in front of a church or you're preaching to your neighbor next door, we would call that witnessing. We're all called to share the gospel. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Not to make excuses about why we can't do them. Not to find reasons about why we shouldn't do them. Every single Christian is called to serve God. How we do that will be different based on the gifts and talents that we have that God has given us. But all of us are called. Every single one of us is part of the body. And our roles that we are expected to fill are important, every single one of them. This is how we build the kingdom of God. This is how we bring people to Christ. Now, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that is actually going to convert people, but it is the work of Christians to share the gospel and invite them to partake. We are simply messengers, but we can't be messengers if we're not sharing the message. What else are we making excuses about? Are we studying the Bible every day, or are we making excuses? Are we praying regularly, or are we making excuses? Are we going to church on a regular basis, or are we making excuses? Are we tithing to support the church, or are we making excuses? Are we fellowshipping with other Christians, or are we making excuses? Are we intentionally doing everything we can to represent Jesus Christ in everything we do, or are we making excuses? Are we sharing the gospel? Or are we making excuses? Benjamin Franklin said, He that is good at making excuses is seldom good at anything else. 
And George Washington Carver said, 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. In the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 18-20, Jesus told us, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We know what we're supposed to do. So let's do it. Let's stop making excuses. No more excuses. Let's pray. Father, we glorify your holy name. We recognize that you love us so much that you allow us to make excuses, even though you hate it when we do. We ask that you give us the wisdom and the strength to know that we can do the things you've asked us to do and to remember that you are with us until the very end of the age. All this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, running a ministry is not free. There are many costs associated with developing and running programs, and we humbly ask for your support, especially if our messages have touched your heart or you believe they will touch the hearts of other people. We ask that you first pray about how God wants you to proceed, and then, if you feel led, help us focus on building the kingdom of God. If you are a Christian and you are not tithing anywhere, please consider tithing to us or consider gifting to us, however God leads. Remember, the money you have is God's money that He blessed you with to manage and to be a good steward. The money you tithe and gift to us builds the ministry of Crossroads Christian Fellowship and the International College for Christian Studies. The more financial support we receive, the more people we can reach. You can make this monthly contribution or one-time gift through PayPal by going to donationforchurch.com. You can also find other ways to donate on that webpage. Thank you in advance for your support, and may God bless you. Friends, I sincerely hope that you are already a follower of Jesus. But if you are not, you need to know that the Bible makes it absolutely clear that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We are all sinners, and we all need Jesus. None of us can do it on our own. When we die, we will either go to heaven or to hell. But the ability to spend eternity in heaven is a free gift from God. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because He loved us so much, Jesus paid the penalty of death for our sins. He paid the price with his own blood, which means that we don't have to. That gift is free, and to receive it, all you have to do is recognize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Confess your sins to God, repent of your sins, in other words, you have to turn away from them, and turn your life over to Jesus, asking Him and allowing Him to be the Lord of your life. Remember, just because you repent and make Jesus your Lord does not mean you will instantly become perfect, but you do need to strive to model your life after Jesus. 
There are no magic formulas or special prayers to become a Christian. Just make it known to God. Just tell Him. He knows what's in your heart. Now, if you've made the decision to dedicate your life to Christ, which is often referred to as being born again, or if you've made the decision to rededicate your life to Christ, please let us know. Go to IamSavedByJesus.com and tell us about your decision. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to know if we can help you along the way. If you haven't made that decision yet, please pray about it, and we'll pray for you too if you let us know. This is the most important decision you can ever make in your entire life. It only takes a few seconds to decide, but the ramifications of your choice are literally eternal. Take it seriously. Remember, go to IamSavedByJesus.com, and we look forward to hearing from you. God bless. Well, it's almost time to go. Thank you for sharing this time with us. We are praying regularly for you and ask that you do the same for us. Until we come together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Go now into the world and serve the Lord. Amen.